Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 65. Two event completions in two weeks. What a world we live in now. After watching reigning world champions Carissa Moore and Idolo Ferreira take top honors in Newcastle last week, Californian Caroline Marks and two-time world champion Gabriel Medina claim the hardware at the Rip Curl Narrabeen Cup presented by Corona this week. The surfing is getting better and better, and I cannot wait for the next two stops in Western Australia. One thing that is not improving is my fantasy team, but congratulations to Affiton for winning the Lineup Podcast Fantasy League's rankings for Narrabeen, and congrats to Team BDP for sitting atop the season rankings for our league and fourth overall in the entire universe at the moment. Knowledgeable lineup listeners. Go, everyone. All right, episode 65. Today's guest is someone who blazed her way to an amateur title and took Triple Crown Rookie of the Year honors in 2008 before claiming the prestigious then ASP World Junior Championships in her backyard of Narrabeen in 2009. She qualified for the Elite Championship Tour in 2011 to great fanfare as a potential Australian torchbearer for Stephanie Gilmore. But despite a seven-year tenure amongst the world's best, she never made the impact she anticipated. That came after her CT career with the jaw-dropping big wave film Undone. We talk about all this and more, including her wild card into last week's CT event, which we recorded before competition started. Please enjoy the lineup's conversation with Narabeen's Laura Enever. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? You can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once. Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. I thought you were boxing. All right, so we have the Laura Anover on the lineup. Laura, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be, be on. <laughs> so how are you doing today? Where are you today? And who are you with? So I'm in my home in Narrabeen, in my sort of office that's been turned into an absolute explosion of my bag from Newcastle, washing that hasn't been done the last few weeks. It's just a bit of a... A bit of a uh, yeah explosion in here, but um, <laughs> no, I've, I've been surfing at Narrabeen all morning. Um, it's pretty small this morning. The contest is meant to start tomorrow, but I feel like it's going to be a lay day. And yeah, I'm the wild card in Narrabeen, so yeah, trying to get back in comp mode and like just get my boards ready. I'm like, what did I? Yeah, what did I used to do? But it's kind of cool. I feel like it's a new version of me going back into the contest, so it's pretty cool. I love that. And I'm I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I miss you. Um, you know, you stepped away from <laughs> the tour in, I think, 2017, and you went off into the wild blue yonder, which we're going to talk about. But now you're back. You, you were unquestionably the breakout star of the WSL's analyst team in Newcastle. And now, as you pointed out, you've rightly been awarded the wild card into the Rip Curl Narrabeen Cup presented by Corona. So 2021... Year of the Ox, Year of Laura Enever. Like, what's going on? What's going on? How do you how do you feel about this year so far? Oh, it's cra- it's absolutely crazy. I feel like last year I was it was such a sleepy year. We uh, bought out my film undone, and then I didn't really have any plans this year. Like, it was you kind of just to chase some swells, and you know, obviously just without being able to travel the way that we used to. Uh, you know, like I kind of just didn't have that many solar plans set in place and then um you know like I'd been talking to the WSL about the commentary stuff for a while and was pretty keen to give that a go and so I, I took that on and then the next thing we know we've got a, a CT coming to Narrabeen and I was uh, awarded the CT the wild card so it's just like in a matter of months and um and then also on top of that uh, I got invited into the Red Bull Cape Fear event down at Shippies. So it went from being like this sleepy little year with no plans to just like, boom, like back to back stuff going on. And hence why rooms and garages and everything are just an absolute mess. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm not used to being this busy again. So um, it's super fun though. And I think whenever I feel like I'm, I'm too busy, I just think back to all the time I had sitting around gardening and 
doing nothing last year. So it's it's been so exciting just to be moving again. And yeah, it's it is. It's this year's just gone from like nothing to just like all these things. Like when it rains, it pours. <laughs> well, with regards to your CT wildcard. Have you been doing anything specific to prepare? I saw Mick Fanning shaved his head and he dropped about <laughs> 20 pounds of dad weight in Johnny Gannon's garage. And you don't need to do any of that because you're already kind of fighting fit. But when you found out about the wild card, did you kind of, did anything switch for you where you're like, well, I'm going to start doing X, Y, and Z to kind of get my mind and my body and my boards and my surfing approach ready for, for the CT? Yeah, I think uh, for me, when I found out I was getting the wild card, it was more so just um, surfing more because I feel like with big wave surfing, it's kind of like doing more on land training and preparation. Mm. And, and, you know, the small days I'd kind of pass up surfing and just be like, oh, I'll take my twin fin out and just sort of fluff around in the water. And then uh, so to get back in um, like comp training mode is just like surfing every day no matter what the conditions and actually just like getting out there like I think I kind of became a bit of a wave snob when I <laughs> like big wave surfing you're like oh anything under like a couple of feet you're just like yeah I'll take the soft up or I'll you know just go lay out there and take my like flippers out some days but um yeah so as soon as I got the wild card I was like okay I'm out there surfing as much as I can and the other thing was I got rid of all my contest boards like so I had to call up Darren uh, DHD and I was like I need some more boards like I kind of like gave back all my CT comp boards and like changed my whole quiver into like a big wave quiver and yeah so I need more comp boards and I've actually even dusted off some old ones that I found at my parents house just to try them I was you know like this one board that I, I loved surfing at lowers and I'm like trying all these different boards now and um but no it's been fun other than that it's just kind of like Pilates, hanging at home, just, yeah, just surfing now. I, I was going to ask about the psychology of surfing big waves and then translating that to small wave performance because I, I've heard it before, like, when, even if you're surfing small waves for contests, like, if you're out there surfing big waves and really pushing your comfort level in terms of performance surfing in big waves, some surfers have articulated that, like, yeah, even if it's a two-foot section that that looks kind of radical, I actually have that much more confidence to hit it that much harder because it just because kind of the fear factor, the hesitation factor has been reprogrammed because I have been surfing big waves. Have you found that at all just in, in kind of your transition from big wave surfing to sort of small to medium wave surfing? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, besides being a wave snob, <laughs> I think it is like when I do get out there and there is chunky sections to hit, like I'm definitely not as afraid to go for it. I think, I mean, I kind of always have had had a pretty amazing wipeout reel of like going for these <laughs> chunky sections anyway, but I feel like, I think I've just started reading waves better as well. Just like the more I've been surfing these big, perfect waves, the more I feel like I've just become, I don't know, just like just getting really accustomed to how they're all breaking. And um, yeah, I've still, I still get pretty, pretty blown up on end sections though. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got a good wipeout reel. <laughs> now, since, since you stepped away from full-time CT competition and started tackling big wave competition, have you changed um, the way the way you train and and the way that you kind of design your physique? Like, do you do you pack muscle in different places intentionally? Or I I always think of the yeah. sort of the Michael Jordan thing of like when he switched and and failed at baseball for a few years, he still had to like change his body to become a baseball player. And then when he changed back to basketball, he had to change back to become a basketball player. I'm wondering if there is any kind of intentional body work that you've done since you've left CT competition for big wave surfing specifically, and if you think that'll actually be advantageous now that you're you're surfing a CT again. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the last few years I really started just working on, um, especially just like building up my legs and just core and, and everything. Like I think for me, yeah, surfing those big waves, it's all about injury prevention, like obviously like you want to be as strong as you can to like get through the bumps and I think that was the funniest thing with when I went into big wave surfing I, I did feel like a lot of people thought I wasn't strong enough or I was just going to get hurt really easily because the first time I surfed jaws my knee just got blown apart and <laughs> like my second wave so I think that was pretty eye-opening to be like okay cool like I want to do this but I need to get strong I need to look after my body I need to be flexible yeah so I think for me it's like weight training mixed with like I love Pilates and strengthening and being flexible as well because like I'm 
pretty like stiff. So I think just having that flexibility, yeah, and just like really looking after, like I did dislocate my shoulder a few years too, a few years ago. And uh, yeah, just like doing little bits and pieces to like prevent those injuries from happening again. So I did change a lot from being on tour. It's, It's funny though, like I did feel like when I started doing all this training for big wave surfing, I did start surfing better in like just regular <laughs> surfing anyway and I'm just like right. oh, cool and I mean I feel like I always thought like why couldn't I do it all like why mm. couldn't I do the big wave surfing and the comp surfing but I think for me I was just so stubborn that I just like when I fell off tour and I was like I just wanted to like go for it and just go for the big wave thing for a while and just see where it could take me and kind of just throw away all my QS rankings and seedings and everything which was like a pretty like I did think about the decision a lot, but um, even this year I did a couple of QSs at the start of the year and like just starting from the first round, like if I want to get back on tour, i got to go all the way and, um, yeah, work my way back there. So, Is that something you're thinking about? Are you thinking about taking another run at the QS? I was. I mean, I didn't actually think I would again like a couple of years ago, but because we can't travel and because it's not as easy to just see a swell and pack a few big boards and go, well, it's like, practically impossible for us now so I think I was you know kind of considering it at the start of the year and yeah I mean I don't think I'll be able to qualify for the Challenger Series this year well I know I haven't I only did one QS at the start of the year so I won't be able to get on the Challenger Series but so maybe next year I haven't made any decisions yet and I think it's kind of kind of good I think I've decided that no plan's the best plan <laughs> well I you know I, I was going to get to this a little later but I actually think this is the right time to talk about it too because um <laughs> Fortunately for me, um, LinkedIn reminded me that I've been at the WSL ASP for 15 years, so I'm a bit of a dinosaur. But (laughs) when we were talking about this episode and and we were kind of going back and forth, we're like, oh, what was it like? And what was it like when she was on tour? And I was saying, look, like, you have to remember that surfing is is a community obsessed with the cult of youth, right? So, like, everyone's always looking for, like, who's the next big thing? Who's the next big thing? And, And I said personally and professionally, like, I vividly remember Laura's performance. I think it was like 2008, Haleiwa. I think you were like the Triple Crown Rookie of the Year. And it was kind of mid-stride for Steph, right? Steph had won a bunch of world titles. And like Tyler hadn't really hit yet as as a title contender. And you were like fast and loose. And there was all this attention on you talent wise especially when you qualified, you know? And so it's interesting for me because you're still so young and you've kind of said, oh, look, I've gotten a much stronger. I feel like I'm surfing much better. And I- I'm wondering how you consider your own talent right now in terms of CT surfing and how it would stack up against the current crop of, of women on tour. Yeah, I mean, good question. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's pretty cool to look back and um, like I did have such an awesome junior career and like, just flew through and just had the best time and then qualified pretty easily at like 17, won the world juniors at 17 and like had all like all these amazing results and then got on tour and then also had like breakthrough performances in my first couple of years. And then it wasn't until like, I think I remember like my second year on tour, I just like had this like losing streak and got sick and just like fell in this rut and like had all this like pressure that I didn't know how to handle because I was always so like happy-go-lucky and just like had no cares in the world. And then I think I just like didn't know how to cope with all the, um, all that stress then. And then I think I just like couldn't really find my feet and like lost confidence. And it's so, I've been speaking to all the young girls on on tour now and just like try to just like share my experience because I think that was just me being young and not really, you know, getting the, you know, the help, the mental help that I needed like the you know psychologists or sports psychologists like and I'm right. such a stubborn person that like I was actually saying yesterday to a few of the um of the younger girls that when I, I think my second year on tour I started um I decided I was going to study sports psychology so I could be my own sports psychologist <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of just like you know eventually going and working out how to, to handle the stress and how to handle the pressure and like how to handle the expectations and stuff but you know, I always knew that I had the, like, you know, I had the talent and I always knew that I could, if I, you know, got the waves, could perform and, you know, do really well in contests. It was just like that mental side for me that just let me down. And I just, you know, go into heats and just like crumble and 
you know, be so scared of losing and just more scared of like, I remember like the fear of falling off the tour was like the worst thing in the world back then. And like, it's so funny because now after leaving for four years and just like making that decision to go, if I went back on tour, I would not be scared to fall off. Like, it's just, right. it, I'd have a totally different headspace. Like, I, I feel like I'd just go on and be like, and, and I guess the way the format is now as well, like you could jump on tour um, and then if you fall off, you got you have the Challenger Series right after. Like, right, you, yeah. you actually have two chances to stay on tour in the year. So I feel like even that is like, and I think just like, so many people are getting more used to going on, going on tour, falling off. The level's so high now. Like getting on mm. and off tour is just gonna is is a quite a normal thing that you know so many of the amazing surfers do. So yeah, and I mean in my in my uh, my non podcast day job and doing like strat and design <laughs> on like the tours and all this other stuff, like it's something that comes up quite a lot. And um, I, I've been talking about it on the podcast actually a lot in the last few episodes about you know if you think of other sports, there's kind of a built-in matriculation system like and I'll use American sports as a comp but it's like if you play in the NBA or you play in the NFL you genuinely go through high school and then you go through college and whether or not you're like actually going to class or they're pushing you through this kind <laughs> of immaterial but the the end result is like you're probably not starting your professional career at the elite level until you're early to mid 20s right yeah. but in surfing um, you know, yourself and and so many others, it's sort of like you're a teenager. Yeah, and totally. And you're not only not, not only you're not physically mature uh, in terms of what you're going to look like as an adult or how strong you're going to get, but there's the psychological thing too. And, and you brought it up. So I'm curious, like, would you have preferred to have a system similar to that where it was like, you didn't feel the pressure to qualify at 17. You actually were going to qualify at 22 or something. Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting because I remember when I qualified at 17, I was like, I, I remember hearing about Taj, I think, turning down his first mm. year when he qualified. And I remember like rolling into the Narrabeen car park and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to take it. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think I'm ready. And everyone was like, you are crazy. Get the hell on tour. Like, <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, it, it is good that I, I did jump on tour and I did have that, that no expectation. And when I did surf with that, with that freedom in those first few comps, like I got third in my first ever CT and then the next year got second to Steph in the final at Snapper and I just I always like jumped on tour and always had that freedom at the first contest and then it always seemed like I fell apart I don't know mm. throughout the year and but yeah like I think going back to that I've, I don't know I, I, I look at Caroline now getting on tour and doing so incredible like she's obviously such a talent so young but I think just having that support system and mm. people there to like really be like oh when things get tough like just just to yeah have that you know, sports psychologists there to just chat you through things that, you know, probably just yeah, have that support. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and it goes through cycles too. Like, I mean, we were around on tour when, you know, Mick Fanning traveling with a Swiss ball and like focusing <laughs> yes. on his fitness. Everyone's like, ew, like what a weirdo. Like, you totally. know, like, <laughs> and now it's like, it's the complete opposite. And I think it's the totally. same with, with like, as you pointed out, like sports psychologists, et cetera, et cetera, and the, the support system around there. You mentioned uh, your uh, home community of Narrabeen. I, I I claim a tiny slice of that, having lived <laughs> on, on, on Goodwin Street when I was younger. Yeah, um, yeah you can what, pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> well, you in. What, what is, for, for an outsider, someone who's never been there, what is the community of Narrabeen like in your own words? How would you describe it? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty pretty awesome place. I mean, yeah, like I grew up here in Narrabeen, joined the Board Riders Club when I started surfing when I was nine and just like grew up surfing with all these, all the guys, it's like a really, really close-knit, tight community and the Board Riders Club is like, yeah, just close-knit, I guess, and supportive but also uh, passionate, like so passionate. Like our Board Riders Club, if we, we have all these tag teams, like they're pretty massive contests in Australia and you know, Narrabeen's always like the most fierce like Port Riders Club mm -hmm. there and so passionate and there's just so much rich history at Narrabeen as well. And I think, you know, the club's definitely evolved and changed since like some of their like pretty intense stories from back in the day, but it's still stayed the same where like everyone is like 
like lives and breathes the club here. So it's it's pretty amazing. But yeah, like you have that incredible support, but then also you have that little bit of pressure just because like you don't feel like you're surfing just for you. You feel like you're surfing for the whole community a little bit. So it's yeah, it's, but it's, it is really cool and tough at the same time. For, for sure. And if you had to describe the wave at Narrabeen, because it's a it's a new wave for most of the fans mm. out there, they've never seen it. What is the wave like at Narrabeen? Uh, yeah, it's so fun. It's one of the most consistent breaks on like the East Coast, one of the most consistent, consistently fun waves in Sydney and especially the Northern Beaches, which is like this stretch of beaches just north of Sydney. It's like, yeah, so we've got, um, yeah, a bunch of beautiful beaches here, but Narrabeen and there's like a lake running out in the alley and the most ideal conditions for Narrabeen is like a northeast or a big east swell. It looks like we're only probably going to get some, like a, a lot of south swell days, but at the moment the banks are still fun and there's always like a really contestable wave. So it's a, it's like one of the most consistent breaks, so there's always a wave. And that's the the funny thing about being from Narrabeen, like no matter how bad it gets, like we only surf Narrabeen when we're around here. <laughs> we like hardly ever venture to the other beaches. We just like just surf here every day no matter like how bad it is. It's pretty funny. Well, I mean, I, I remember that from even traveling to sort of Manly for the event for years and years and years where it's like, well, it, it is the most consistent spot. It's usually like got the most swell and that's the spot you go yeah. and surf. You being a local there and also having probably uh, the most unique perspective on how the tour is currently performing with your work done in Newcastle, yeah. which surfers both on the men's and women's side do you think are going to do well at this upcoming event in Airbnb? Oh, I mean, I I feel like Italo the last few days, he's just been, he's been ripping out here. Um, I feel like he's going to be pretty hard to beat. Even like when it got a bit bigger, he was surfing incredible. And then he's like small wave games, amazing too. And then on the girls' side, I feel like it's a tough one. I think that because it's a, it's a left, I think that anyone that's got, you know, that that's getting like really tight in the pocket on their backhand will be, Ripping, but then also, you know, it'll be interesting to see like Caroline and Tati and the girls in their forehand if they're going to do some, you know, big stuff on the left and some good sections. So I don't know. It's hard to pick the girls. I want to say like Gabriel Medina, um, Dimity asked him at, uh, at Newcastle and was like, you've got the day off. Who are you going for? And he just said, me. <laughs> 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 he wasn't even surfing that day, but he was still going for himself. So I'd love to just be like, I'm going for me. <laughs> And what's your gig going to be like there? Are you going to be are you going to be double duty? Are you going to be doing commentary and then you're going to put the jersey on? You're out no. there. What's going on? A few people have asked me about that, but um, no, I think my eyeballs are like falling out from being on the ski last week in Newcastle. So <laughs> um, yeah, I just have to. I'm going to I'm going to cruise. I'm going to take it easy and yeah, just just uh, focus on surfing. It was really cool though being on the ski. I did love it. Um, just analyzing the contest. So like so much like it's pretty funny like I was never really like when I was on tour someone that loved to get up early for the early and um like hang around at the beach all day like I'd kind of just come down and then be there for a bit but uh just kind of be off doing my own thing but it was a really good job for me to like just focus on what, exactly what's going on and like really analyze the other competitors I'm like I'm a bit like all over the place and not very good at focusing so it was it was really good to just like really see what they're all up to. So I'm hoping that maybe I've learned something. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, unquestionably you did. <laughs> I, I do want to retract back though onto you because I, your career is so fascinating to me. It, l- let's go back to your family. How, how did you get into yeah. surfing? What was mom and dad like, brothers, sisters? What was it like for you? How did you get involved in surfing? Yeah, well, dad grew up surfing from when he was like a teenager, lived down in Manly, and mum and dad met when they were like 17, 18 in Manly, and then actually moved up to Mona Vale, and we're like managing the bowling club at Mona Vale. My dad's a greenskeeper. You know, he they have like photos of them like surfing in Bali, like back like Ulu's before any of the Warungs are there, like in the 70s, 80s. He loves surfing so much. He's like the eternal grom my dad uh mum's not so much into surfing but she uh, she loves the beach and she literally she knows everything about surfing <laughs> um and then my brother my older brother Chris he 
yeah, we were like so competitive growing up. Like I was the annoying younger sister. And when he got into surfing, that's pretty much when I got into surfing as well. And we traveled around to grom comps together, just up and down the East Coast. I just, so many memories just, just driving. Mum would drive us like all the way up to like Lennox Head, the Gold Coast, like every second weekend for a contest. And um, yeah, and then Chris became my coach on tour for a few years when I got on and we did heaps of traveling around together. Yeah, like I think that I would credit Chris the most for like getting me out into big waves because he, yeah, we just had that really funny brother-sister relationship when we were younger where we like loved each other but were super competitive and then the older we got, the more it was just like support team. But we were definitely competitive growing up and so he was paddling out. He kind of always had no fear so I remember he'd paddle out in Narrabeen when it was like 8 to 10 foot and I'd be like trying to get out behind him and if I didn't go out he would just wouldn't. He'd give me so much, um, so much crap. So <laughs> you can swear on this podcast. There's no worries. Oh, we can swear. He'd give oh, me yeah. a lot of shit. Sorry. Mark, Mark Richards said, "Fuck, we're good together." <laughs> oh, put the beeps in. That's Beep. right. Well, it, yeah, it's exactly right. Well, and then Chris is a, a fantastic surfer. I, I'm curious with you when you were coming up because you had such an esteemed amateur career and junior career and. You won the World Junior Championships at home, which must have yeah. been amazing. Was was there ever a point for you growing up where you thought, well, maybe I'm not going to be a pro surfer. Maybe I'll do something else. Or were you just locked in from for as long as you can remember? It's funny. Like, I, I just was like this, like, happy-go-lucky kid. Like, I I never really had any plans. I, I love surfing. And, like, I went through this phase where I was just like, you know, just lived and breathed it. And um, until I sort of, you know, became like 18 and I like was introduced to the world and started traveling the world by myself and having the best time. And um, I feel like, yeah, as soon as I was 15, 16, I just, I just want to surf forever. I was like, this will be the best job. Yeah. When I, I remember when I got on, on tour and even when I started traveling alone without my mom, I was just like, I just loved traveling and I just loved sort of being like a bit of a gypsy just going around and lived in America for six months one year and just like loved being on the road. But um, it was pretty, pretty incredible lifestyle to look back on. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you were part of the hyper esteemed uh, <laughs> 6.0 team for a oh, period yeah. of time. And, and I mean, that for for a, it 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 feels like such an interesting window in time that like if you'd been introduced oh, to so surfing crazy. in the last few years you'd be like what are you talking about but man when Nike came in and under the 6.0 banner and and put together a team it was radical what what was that experience like for you yeah that's that's still one of like the coolest probably like 5 years of my life when i was yeah 16 um at the time, I was sponsored by Roxy and Nike just for shoes, and they were sending us on, like, boat trips. Like, I think one year when I was 16, I spent, like, a month or, like, over a month in Indo by myself just on boats, just, like, jumping around different boats and, like, just surfing epic, amazing waves. Like, like I just remember those years just, like, I was just surfing perfect waves, and then I think, um, yeah, and it was just incredible. Like, the Leave a Message film came out, and that was just awesome, like, such a – yeah, incredible film and, like, moment for women surfing. It was just, like, us, like, the little young guns that just we were all competitive and fierce but also kind of, like, so young we didn't really know what we were in for. Um, <laughs> none of us were on tour yet. We were just, like, all under 18 or, or I think maybe I was 18 at the time. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty awesome. And even just, like, I remember Nike, they'd fly me to New York. I did a photo shoot with Annie Leibowitz. Um, it was like this unknown as, little. As you do. Yeah. 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 The funniest thing is I had, I was like 17, unknown Australian Grom. And they're like, oh, we're going to put you in this campaign with like Maria Sharapova, uh, Hope Solo. Um, and like this crazy lineup of like all these like goddesses of sport and I was just this Australian unknown <laughs> surfer girl <laughs> plonked in the middle getting shot by Annie Leibowitz like not really even knowing how incredible she was and then she, I just remember her being like I shot Rihanna yesterday and I was just like oh my god and then she's been like a, a hero since then but it's just it feels wild to think that I probably did. I didn't even hardly know who she was and then but yeah all those experiences just like going around and, yeah, doing a bunch of pretty incredible stuff alone as well. Just, like, I really took the reins and just had an amazing few years there. 
And then there was the really, and it's, it's almost like a um, like a tall tale at this point, or mythology around <laughs> when Nike decided, okay, look, we since we own Hurley, we're going to be folding our surf program into the Hurley program. And you, I think, I don't, I think you almost went directly to Billabong, but you can correct me on that. What I yeah. do want to see if you'll tell us anything about was there's an infamous. Uh, story about a meeting of the <laughs> Nike team and the Hurley team in Hawaii where the Nike team was told, all right, you're going to be putting H's on your boards now. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, number one, you don't have to tell us what you don't want to tell no, us. No, I wasn't invited to that meeting, but it sounds like it could have been something that happened. But um, <laughs> no, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't at that house. I was probably at a house. I was probably at the surfer bar. <laughs> <laughs> you got a text message going like, what? What's happened? No, I, I probably like, I probably didn't even have like working reception or like, like I probably had like some weird credit thing going on. They've sent me the message, but I'm like on, on like a boost and had like run out of credit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, run out of my T-Mobile credit. Yeah. But then, but you did, you did go to Billabong almost right away. Yeah, right? Is that, I went yeah. to Billabong. I think I was with Hurley for like a couple of weeks, but because my, yeah, my contract was up that year, I ended up, yeah. um, and I was almost going to sign with Bill among a few years earlier. And mm. then I went, I, I went with Nike and then had the opportunity to jump ship then. And yeah, I haven't really looked back since it's been incredible. I think eight years at Billabong now. Wild. How you've been so productive. We'll, we'll yeah. count the lineup podcast as part of that too. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're representing Billabong in the back there. <laughs> I do. I got my hands on an Andy board. So sick. The, the yeah, don't tell Evan. The, um, <laughs> you mentioned your time on tour, and I definitely want to get to the the post tour stuff too. But I do want to talk a little bit about your time on tour as well, because as we talked about, and 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 as was my professional opinion at the time, so talented, could get the results. You mentioned that. For you early on, not having those expectations on tour was an advantage for you. And then as soon as you, I think you said, as soon as you became self-aware of some of the attention and the pressure is when things started to get challenging. Is that right? Yeah. And I think it was just, I, th I think I just started surfing completely fear-based. It was just, I was so fearful of like falling off tour, losing, disappointing sponsors, just not being what I thought I was gonna be like I just literally was so scared and started I just remember like being at Bells one year and just started having like this panic attack in the heat and I just like couldn't control those feelings of just like being a failure and it's just like I look back now and I just so wish I could just shake myself and be like what are you doing like why are you so scared of any like scared of this and and it's just so funny because as soon as I started surfing big waves I remember being out in Jaws and just going into this zone and I just like it wasn't even fear. I was just like, why can't I get into that zone in a, in a heat? And I think that's been like probably the coolest thing that I've learned just over the last few years is like there is this space I can go to where I'm just so like just in the zone and just only fo not even focused about what could happen if I fall off this bomb wave. It's just like more focused on making it. And I'm just like, why couldn't I switch that over? I mean, I think it was just being young and not really knowing myself and just being a bit lost along the way and yeah confidence I think all those things yeah wrapped together well, and yeah. and it does it does sound like there was a little bit of overlap with you starting yeah. to get the bug and sink your teeth into surfing waves of consequence and, totally. and sort of the end of your CT uh, tenure this time around because I think yeah. you're coming back is my call yeah. but, <laughs> but 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 did that I, I'm curious like once you did get the bug for big wave surfing, did it feel like the volume got turned down a little bit on the CT for you in the sense of yeah. like, was it hard for you to be motivated to surf? I mean, it's funny. We talk about it. I was talking to someone about this the other day and we were like, look, it's uh, we go to all these dream tour locations, but even the dream tour locations on great swells, often they're like really lully heats because those really great heats are kind of like not the entire day, you know? And so totally. sometimes it can be really hard to be motivated. I'm wondering if you, your attention just got drawn into sort of big wave riding once you got the bug for it. Yeah, well, it's it's so funny because like I was actually talking to someone about this a few days ago. I had all of my best results 
ever after going on like a big wave surf trip somewhere. Like mm. I won the World Juniors like three days. I remember I got home from P-Pass like the day before and I remember people being like, why are you at Narrow Bean training? And I was like <laughs> getting like the best barrels of my life at like eight foot P-Pass and then I won the Australian Open and I literally got back from P-Pass again like a few days earlier and like I remember I had like reef cuts and like infected cuts all over my feet <laughs> and I was surfing at Manly and it was two foot and I just somehow had this like confidence and it, I, I think it was just me like when I was doing so many contests I would like lose that feeling of soul so like my just like feeding my soul with these beautiful amazing waves that I loved riding so much and um, I don't know like just obviously doing the CT and the QS and being probably doing like 20 contests a year for like four four years in a row and I remember I got to like 2016 so I'd been on tour for five years and Mm. I just felt burnt out and I was like I haven't been barreled I haven't been surfing these good waves like I just I remember just like getting to that year in 2016 and being like I just need to go like in between every contest I'm just going to go chase a swirl like I need to go surf and I remember yeah that was the year when I won um the Oz Open and had like an amazing year on tour I think I got my 10 in Fiji and I, I did a bunch of trips to Fiji and I just I kept like making such an effort to just go get waves and like sort of feed my soul and like actually feel like a surfer. And the more I did that, the more I got my confidence back. And then at the same time, the more I like started being like, oh my God, this is so much better than competing at the moment. Like I was just so happy, like the happiest I'd been in so long because I was just surfing and it was just, it was for me. It wasn't for anyone else. It wasn't the expectations were gone. Like I was just like the happiest I'd been in years and, um, and then when I went to Jaws, yeah, it was kind of like the more I'd go to these waves, the more I was kind of like, oh, like the tour doesn't really, <laughs> like it's not as fun and um, I don't really care about winning anymore and I just wanted to do that. So I think, yeah, it's it's pretty cool the way everything's like turned around. Like it seems like I couldn't even script being here right now, having four years off chasing waves and like truly like feeding my soul and pushing myself in big waves and then to be back and like surfing this CT at Narrabeen, like it does seem, if someone told me this was like what was going to happen a few years ago, I'd be like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I definitely want to get into a couple of more topics and we've got some listener questions for you, but first we're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors. So we'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.
As surfing makes its impressive showcase for the second time at the Olympic Games Paris 2024, Samsung is capturing every epic moment through a new docuseries and a celebration of our culture, bringing the spirit and stories of surfers, including Joanne DeFay, John John Florence, and Jack Robinson to the forefront. Want to dive deeper into our world? Visit youtube.com slash at Samsung. So 2016, 2017 is winding up again, what I'm calling um, phase one of your CT career, because I have I, I'm forecasting great things <laughs> on the horizon. That's cool. And you, you're talking about being fulfilled, chasing big waves. Is there any and that's on the positive side? Is there any kind of anxiety you're feeling about leaving the championship tour? Are there any uncomfortable conversations you have to have with your sponsors? Like, what is that process like for you um, kind of going into a little bit of an unknown at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at, so yeah, at the end of 2017, when I fell off tour and there was like this moment where I thought maybe I could have got the injury wildcard and got back on. But when I didn't get that, I was just like, this is it. Like I, this is the perfect time to go and do something and do something different and chase. Cause I'd been thinking about it in 2017 after I'd gone on all these big, big swell trips. I was just like, should I just go for it? And then as soon as I went to Jaws, got the taste of Jaws, got completely worked at that way. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people were like, all right, cool. You're just going to go back to the QS next year. And um, yeah, just like, no, and actually, sorry, Jaws happened in 2016. I got injured, missed the first half of 2017, then fell off. And then right. I think everyone was like, all right, cool, well, you're going to go um, back on the QS and forget about the big wave thing. You're all healed up now. Get back to normal. And I was just like, nah, I'm, I think I just need to, like, totally go off and do my own thing. But, you know, just on paper, it just didn't really look that smart or it just looked like a really bad career choice I think just because it was like like what what was I going to do just like go be a free surfer and like big wave surfer and there's no money in that really like there's no I had no real experience like all I'd really done was like gone to Jaws and blown out my knee and I was going to like throw away this whole career I'd worked for for years to go and like you know like it was just such a big unknown I remember um yeah, talking to Billabong about it, they're like, oh, okay, like, you know, like, yeah, we're, like, we'll support you. But I think they didn't really know, like, what my plan was. And then I remember, like, especially here, like, everyone at Narrabeam were like, are you going to retire? Like, why aren't you doing the QS? Like, what are you doing? Like, I remember that there was, like, these few months where everyone was like, what are you doing? And I felt like I had to, like, elevate a pitch my life. Like, oh, well, I've got this dream of, like, doing big wave things. And, um, but because I hadn't really done anything yet, right. it was kind of just like, everyone's like, what are you doing? Are you, like, going to be retired at 27? Or, like, <laughs> anyway, like, I think, um, yeah, I didn't really know where I was going. And so that was, like, this moment where I did feel this massive sense of, like, holy shit, have I just thrown away, like, am I throwing away something too good? Does this make any sense? But I just had this, like, pull to go and, and do it and just, I think I just knew I needed it. So it was it was definitely hard to tell people about and explain because I just had nothing to show except like a torn MCL. <laughs> and um but yeah, like I think as soon as I went down to Shippies, I went down to Shippies just go watch a swell and ended up it's like this infamous shot of me doing a cartwheel over like a 12-footer there. <laughs> and I think as soon as everyone saw that, they were like, okay, she's either going to kill herself, but like, okay, we get it. Like, this is what you want to do, but like, don't kill yourself. Like, <laughs> I just like went down there with sort of no experience as well. Like the way I sort of did it, Jaws, just threw myself into it. Kind of probably to be like, this is what I want to do, but like, I don't know how to do it yet. So I'm just getting smoked. <laughs> but yeah, after that shippy swell, I was like, that's it. Like, I just, I'm going to go back to the start. I'm going to like actually do this. Like I'd had the taste of Jaws. I'd had the taste of being in the lineup at Shippies. And I was like, I'm sure this is what I want to do. And I don't even have to explain it to anyone. I'm just going to, just going to try. Mm. And um, yeah, that's where Undone was sort of born from that over the falls at Shippies and Steve Wall, the director, um, we were just going to maybe make a web series that year. And then we just started filming everything 
and yeah, turned somehow turned it into a watchable film. <laughs> <laughs> and not without not without setbacks, right? Because, yeah, totally. You know, you, Chris's injury, your injury, yeah. car troubles, but it's one of those things. That it feels like it, it feels like another illustration of your approach, which is really sort of positive and persevering, agnostic yeah. of what the project is. Yeah. No, and that's it. It's like. Uh, like even when we were like, oh, we'll make a film. I was like, you know, like it's so weird making a documentary when you don't actually know the story. It's just like we're just we're going and like I kind of was like, cool, well, I want to get back to Shippies eventually. I want to get back to Jaws eventually and I want to make waves and I want to go there in a couple of years when I've had experience at these other like Australian sort of slabs. And, um, yeah, like it was, it was also pretty bizarre because like making a film about like a beginner doing something like going back to the whole start of being a big wave surfer and like learning the ropes, learning all about skis and being in the lineup and getting confidence. So it was like a, it was pretty much a story about failing miserably, but like having these like little wins along the way that were like, yeah, these wins that um, just kept me going and kept me pushing through and yeah, broke my brother's knee as well. (laughs) Poor Chris. Collateral damage. Poor Chris. But, but, it, it does strike me as like uh, almost unprecedented, right? Because there's probably a handful of examples if you look at the men's tour over the last, I don't know, two decades where there's people who've qualified, they've performed on the CT, they've done well, they haven't done well, whatever it is. And then there's kind of this at least vaguely established trajectory for them to be like, I'm going to be a big wave surfer now or I'm going <laughs> to be like a slab hunter now. But on the women's side, there really wasn't anyone that had ever done that until you. And in I'm not to say that there aren't like women big wave surfers. They're not that there aren't uh, women um, surfers that that hunt slabs. But someone who's had your pedigree and trajectory of like won the world junior title, like qualified yeah. at 17, like successful on the CT, and then being like, no, nah, I'm gonna do this now. Did you have yeah. any? <laughs> Was there anyone kind of in that orbit that you look to and be like, well, that she's doing it. I'm, I'm going to try to do that. too. No, that was the thing. Like I didn't really have anyone to look through. Like I knew Justine was like Justine DuPont. She, yep. she was on tour for a year and then she got like a, a couple of injuries. And I remember seeing her surfing Nazare and, um, and then, you know, like when we did the first ever women's big wave event at Jaws, Justine was out there that day and, um, in the in the contest and I don't know but I felt like it felt like a pretty lonesome journey here in Australia I was just sort of rocking up to these big wave spots with like on my own and just meeting some of the local guys and just like just I had to get over this you know hurdle of and this like jump over this fence of being like like you know feeling like what the guy like you know the guys there thinking like who is this girl like what is she doing here who's this like blonde CT surfer that just like is going to show up to these like crazy slabs and like (laughs) like what is she doing but I mean that was like what I thought and then I just had to be like stuff it I just kept going and the more I went to these waves the more people I'd meet and the more I think I just felt like these people these this community of big wave surfers couldn't get rid of me (laughs) and then they all started just being like yeah let's go but um the more I went to these waves I just meet these awesome crew and there was all these, and it was like different people at every wave. So I feel like that's the coolest thing about Undone. It was like such a lonesome journey, but then we'd get to the waves and I'd meet some of the local heroes that surf those waves and they'd take me under their wing. And, you know, and I, I remember like a lot of them saying like, they'd look at my Instagram and be like, who is this like cocktail drinking blonde girl that wants to come surf with us? Like, <laughs> like what is the deal? But then like they'd meet me and they just know that I was like so, you know, like so keen to like just, just get ways and get barreled and like I just loved it so I think it was they all laughed about it at the end I remember like every trip at the end of the day they'd be like you're so different to what we thought you'd be like and I'm like thanks don't read a book by its cover yeah yeah but, um, and what, are the, what do you have against cocktails <laughs> yeah cocktails are great <laughs> <laughs> well, what and and in the big wave realm right like people talk about this quite a lot where there's different disciplines even within the big wave realm. You know, there's paddling totally. surfing, there's toe surfing, there's slab hunting. Is there, 
and and you kind of do all of it. Is is there one that you gravitate towards more than others that that you're like this is kind of my niche within the niche sort of thing? Yeah. Well, I think you know during Undone, I'm doing a lot of toe surfing, and I think that that was a really perfect starting point for me to just like get onto the waves and like actually you know just get a few waves amongst you know like we we kind of would go to waves that a lot of them you couldn't paddle anyway. Um, but even just to be on the waves and see what they're like and just get used to the how they feel, like the way that these slabs draw off the reef and where you actually have to be and not going too high, like getting the, getting more waves, toe surfing was what gave me the confidence and what helped me sort of learn. It was just like, you know, you can get a lot more waves towing. But I feel like now, like, because I've towed the last few years, like I, I really want to focus on paddling, paddling more waves. I do, obviously towing's pretty amazing. Like it's a team and all the guys that towed me into the waves, like I, you feel like it's a team sport. You're like high-fiving at the end. You're like, thank you, mate. Like Danny Griffiths, um, a local Tasmanian guy, when he got me like the wave of my life down at, uh, at Shippies, I was just like, it was such a cool moment. Like it does feel like you're in like a little team and you've just been together all day like in the cold and then, yeah, you're like one more wave and then you just get have this like epic moment. But I feel like... You know, there's no better feeling than like paddling into a wave on your own at Jaws. I mean, that's, and it's like so much more frightening. It's like it's still frightening towing in, but when you know that it's just you, you're all alone, like, and if you, yeah, like it just all comes down to you like that. Those moments when you can pull them off are like really, really special and you're absolutely stoked. So I think that's, that's what I'll focus on more. Yeah. I'd love to focus on that. How how did your shaper, uh, Darren Hanley, DH, DHD surfboards, for those who <laughs> don't know, how did he respond when you went in and were like, hey, um, yeah, thanks for all the contest boards. I'm going to start <laughs> um, paddling jaws and toe surfing. What was his response like when, when you went in and yeah. asked for a different kind of surfboard? Yeah, he was just like, oh, cool. Um, and I was just like, <laughs> I think I, I just started calling when I was like, every one of like the five, nine step ups you made me for Fiji has been snapped because like by this one slab that I was going to down in Wollongong, like every single time I went there, I snapped one of his boards. I was like, Darren, like every one of your boards is snapped. <laughs> I'm trying to surf these waves down the coast and they all have just, I've just snapped my whole quiver. And like, I probably surfed this, I did the CJ for seven years and snapped one board at Fiji. And all of a sudden I'd snapped like six boards in like a month trying to try to surf these waves and and I think then he was like all right cool we're gonna have to do like triple glass <laughs> thicker <laughs> we we like just gave like pretty much like most of my CT boards gave gave them back and um just got a whole new quiver of these like slabby boards that like have so much more thickness to paddle into them and um yeah they're just like way heavier but that's cool that you have he that was really supportive support. yeah Darren was so supportive well, and for those uh, listening who haven't seen it, you can find Undone both on iTunes and on Vimeo On Demand, and you can find yeah. out more about it at undonefilm.com. It is more than worth your time. Yeah. But we're not done yet. You are, as you mentioned, in the Red Bull Toe event. Oh, yeah. Explain <laughs> that to the listeners. How does that work? Who's your toe partner? When's this happening? Yeah, that's, so that's the Red Bull Cape Fear event that's happening down at, um, at Shippies. And the waiting period has actually started, I think it started March 17th and goes till September. So we have all that time to wait for like one swell and surf for one day and go down and drop everything and, and yeah, go and tow or paddle Shippies depending on how big it is. Like I'm thinking I'll probably be towing because they, they keep saying they want to get like the biggest swell of the year. So I'm sure there'll be a few boys paddling. Like I can imagine Russell Bjorki paddling in and um, probably Ryan Hipwood and stuff giving paddling a go. And But, yeah, I think when it gets that big I'll, I'll probably be towing. And I've, I've already called up Danny Griffiths who's like a local big wave charger down there. And I'm like, you're going to be my tow person. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he was like scraping me off the rocks when I was falling down there last time and like riding his ski on the rocks to like save me. I'm like, you're my hero. You can be my toe partner. <laughs> I love it. In 2021, it it feels, or a year of the ox, it's a year of Laura Enever, it feels like the world is hopefully starting to open back up and recalibrate. You are still so young, 29. 
you have established yourself in the big wave realm. You've established yourself as a broadcast talent, um, mega talent. Um, you're stronger than ever. I do forget the tides, though. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah, of course. I'm still I, I'm still claiming that your talent level, especially if you're if you're physically fit and you look physically fit and your injuries are all healed, is very, very elite. The surfing world is a little bit your oyster. I think yeah. at this point, what, what do you think you're going to be doing by the end of the year? If we, if, when you come back on the podcast on <laughs> April 14th, 2022, what's the conversation we're going to be having? Are you going to be a CT oh. surfer? Are you going to be, are you going to have your own show? Or are you going to be doing more big wave <laughs> stuff? What do you think is going to be happening? Oh man. I'm so, I, I wish I could tell you the answer. Like if I, if someone told me in back in 2000 and, 14 or 15 that I would have like been surfing 10 foot shippies and surfing jaws I would have been like no way like I don't know my life keeps evolving and surprising me so often which is like so fun but yeah I feel like no plan sort of the best plan right now and I mean I look at Steph and I'm like man you just keep surfing better and better and she's like one of my inspirations and I think being around these girls on tour I'm like could I do this again like do I have that competitive fire like can I switch it on and yeah, like I feel like I still love surfing so much, so I could do anything. What about what about free surfing around the event in Newcastle? Were you ever out there with some of the CT girls and being like, "Yeah, my turn was a bit bigger than theirs." <laughs> uh, not. I mean, I feel like all the girls are ripping at the moment. Like I'll probably. I mean, I'm hoping not, but I mean, I, I hope, I'm hoping I'll put on a good performance at Narrabeen here and just. Um, you know, but like, yeah, all the girls, I've had a lot of things going on. So I'm not like putting massive expectations. Like I'm still, I would consider myself like a massive underdog just because these girls have been like training and preparing. But I feel like my preparation has been super different. It's like not the preparation I'd usually do, but I feel like it's more mental preparation, more just the feeling of like being like so comfortable with who I am and where I am at the moment that it's you know, I just want to focus on getting the waves and in this contest and, yeah, just surfing really well. But, uh, yeah. So that also sounds like the same headspace that you had when you were first on, the zero expectations, and that's what yeah, you want. Yeah, totally, exactly. Like, there's literally nothing to lose now, and I feel like I don't have anything to prove. Like, I just, yeah, which is literally what I felt when I got on tour. So if, I feel like if I can just, I know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to lose myself again. So I think that, yeah, anything's possible. The other thing is they're putting more and more good waves on the world tour, which is mm. very enticing. Isn't Pipe, chopes, like these are all the waves that I want to go surf. Like Fiji was always like my favourite place to ever go on tour and I just like lived and breathed going to those like bigger spots. So, yeah, I feel like with with that in mind, it's like I'd love to maybe give it a go, but nothing, no, no, um, yeah. We'll see. Come on back. We'd love to have you. <laughs> the, the, the wave at Narrabeen, this is my last question on Narrabeen, and we'll get to listener questions. Yeah, Do you think that it actually provides uh, a local advantage? Is it the kind of spot where, well, it, it, you know, I understand, speaking for yourself, you understand the banks, you understand the tides, you understand the scoreable waves. Do you think that that gives you a bit of a lo- uh, an advantage over the rest of the field? Yeah, I think it does. I think... Narrabeen is like a it's a pretty tricky wave like when it's with this south swell it's going to make it you know there's going to be some rips there's going to be some current just like at most beaches in Australia like I feel like Australians are so comfortable in beaches and, and everyone especially from down you know in the Sydney area like or between here and the Gold Coast like there's so many amazing points up on the Gold Coast like but then I feel like there's so many of our surface from in this middle area of of the east coast that are just like really they just really love beaches and really like get get them. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think the Brazilians are also going to go really good here because they also love beaches. And it, yeah, I think it's just going to be whoever can pick apart uh, yeah the bank and and find the best waves really. But I think I think there'll be some fun waves. I think there always are fun waves in there. Yeah, there's always something fun. We put uh, questions uh, out to the Instagram community to see if anyone had any for you, and we had to whittle them down because we had a couple hundred, but we did <laughs> get them down to three. Uh, first question is from 
Sergio Sangerman, I definitely screwed that up. What <laughs> is uh, harder, Laura, surfing big waves or competing in a CT? I feel like we've been talking about that the whole podcast. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to try to keep this short, this answer short because I just blabber on. But um, I obviously physically surfing big waves is, is so much harder. Mentally for me, competing was harder, but I'm hoping I can switch that around and just say that big wave surfing is, is way harder. But um yeah, like they they're hand in hand mentally for me at the moment. So hoping to switch that around there. All right. Calum dot asks, what is the most motivating thing for you when you don't want to get out of bed? <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think um yeah, like you always feel better when you when you get out of bed and get moving. Like for me, sometimes when it's like cold and like the waves are crap, like I'll just be like, okay, just jump in the car, go for a drive and check the surf. Like I love just going for a drive and getting coffee and just getting out of the house. Like you always feel so much better. But um, I think, uh, yeah. What's your coffee spot? Oh, Zuby in Narrabeen. It's a good spot. I tried to start making my own coffee at home, but I just, I just like actually love going and like, just getting a coffee and checking the surf, something about doing that, you're like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's awesome. a little ritual. I'm all for it. Yeah. Getting out of the house. Doing this. There's nothing better than a surf check. Last one from the Instagram community. Uh, I am Matson asks, what video section did you watch more than any other as a Grom? <laughs> oh man, two. Um, Endless Summer 2 was like my all time favorite movie. Loved that. I remember just like, watching tj baron on like that that um he was like Little five years or six years or old yeah. and he was on the bodyboard on the mecha- <laughs> like the mechanical wave and then i always remember like i remember going to fiji and being so scared of sea snakes because <laughs> i think pat <laughs> o'connell and um yeah they they were like there was a sea snake and I, I remember being there i was like ah so scared of them but um that and then three degrees with um yeah, that was a fucking that was an amazing film. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't apologize. It was I loved watching. Amazing. I loved just watching like Mick and Joel and Dingo, just like the way that they surfed when they were like groms and then going through yeah to being adults. Who was your guy? Who who was your guy that you had to pick out of the three degrees? Which one did you? If you're like, I have to surf like one of these surfers, who is it? Oh, that's a hard one. Probably Mick. Yeah. Nick or Joel? They're all, like, they all just freaking surf incredible. That's like a really tough question. It's tough. tough I do question. love those yeah, those clips of Mick just running around with like his like bright blonde hair and just like it's just <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's so cool. His hairlines growing into his eyebrows. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, it's it was so cool. Love that film. Good answers. Well, we have one final segment. This is the lightning round. So this is 10 questions. You answer as fast as you can. Oh, crap. If you can only have one board set up for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad, bonzer, or finless, which would you choose? Oh, man, it's so hard. Um, I'd probably have to go twin fin. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Burrito or pizza? Burrito. Last book you read? Oh, that's hard. There's, there's not many books in, in my life. There's a whole lot of them. They're all unread. <laughs> <laughs> Best uh, surf film ever. We just can't answer that one, but you got to pick one. Oh, Endless Summer too. I love it. One wave you never have to go back to. I never have to or want to? Well, either way. Oh, that's, that's hard. <laughs> like a part of me wants to say the right because it was just like the scariest <laughs> place on the planet, but like... I know because it like defeated me. I have to go back, but it, like it gives me shivers to think I, I'm going to go back there. <laughs> <laughs> if you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life, a uh, cloud break. Best person to share a lineup with? Steph. She's pretty good. Steph and Dimity. Can they be one person? Yeah, sure. They're we so have, fun. We have to like... come up with like a celebrity couple name for him though. So it'd be like. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stephanie. Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie. That's a good one. Dimith or something. <laughs> Dimanani. There you go, yeah. Worst person to share the lineup with. Oh, brutal. Um, who catches like a billion waves? It's <sighs> like a really hard one. <laughs> I want to say just like probably Gabby because he just catches so many waves and just paddles so fast. <laughs> But then totally also different. it's amazing showing the lineup with him and seeing him just sh- 
absolutely rip. But like <laughs> anyone that paddles faster than me is the worst person to share the lineup with. <laughs> they just paddle around everywhere. Uh, uh, the, the the top thirty four come up a lot as, as yeah. an answer for that. So don't worry about it. All right, last one. Finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by taking my dog for a walk. Wonderful. Laura Ennevert, so thank cute. you so much for coming <laughs> on the lineup podcast. Everyone, if you haven't done it already, check out Undone. It is amazing. And good luck in Nairbeen. Thank you, guys. It's been awesome chatting. I hope I didn't bore your brains out. <laughs> So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with Laura Enver. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll be able to enjoy Laura back on the broadcast team at WSL Championship Tour stop number four, the Boost Mobile Margaret River Pro presented by Corona starting on May 2nd. As always, you can watch the world's best surfers live at worldsurfleague.com, our linear television partners and the WSL app. This episode is produced by Ryan Fawcett with art direction by Jason Penning. Thanks to both of them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, the Kishtavagnar, and the Gurungai Aboriginal people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.